and we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and I am joined by Seth Winchild. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right. Um, this episode of the Electric Podcast is brought to you by Electrify America, the largest public network of fast charging station in the U.S. We're going to have a little bit more to say about them later on the show, so stay tuned for that. Um, but uh, this week, it's, it's kind of a slow week for electric vehicle news, I'm not going to lie, but we still have a few interesting news items to discuss. We just might go through them a little bit faster than uh, than usual, uh, but uh, what that, that results in is that it's going to give us a little bit more time to answer your questions. So if you guys have any questions or any specific subjects you want us to discuss on the show this week, please put them in the comment section right now. Uh, the show is live, and uh, if you can put them in uh, full caps, for uh, actual question that would be easier for us to uh, skim through the comments since you guys also like to discuss amongst yourself too so you can keep that in lower cap and your question in all caps all right so let's jump in uh tesla sort of uh sneaks a little new factory by us this week like that came out of nowhere yeah just right under the radar <laughs> yeah that was a weird one mega factory uh in latrop California, so in Northern California, about an hour from Fremont Factory, uh, Tesla already used that uh, little city of like 20,000-30,000 people for some kind of, of logistic hub. They have a lot of warehouses there, uh, a few manufacturing operations too, but mostly a logistic hub where they would uh, move parts around, uh, start in them, and uh, between it's a well-located between uh, uh, the Gigafactory Nevada and Fremont Factory. But now they uh, open a brand new uh, what they are calling a factory, they're calling it a mega factory, as you can see here, and uh, it's uh, it's to produce the mega pack. So that's what, hence the name mega factory. So it's not a giga factory, um, which leads me to think that they might not produce gigawatt hour of annual production of mega pack, but actually just in the megawatt hour that would make more sense, unless they're really just going for the name of the mega pack. And uh, so that's uh, that's the kind of uh, big news here because uh, until now Tesla has been only producing all the stationary energy storage products like the power wall the power packs and the mega pack at giga nevada so this is brand new for them bringing that into uh, california i was actually announced by uh, the mayor of uh, of lightrop uh, sony doliwal uh, and uh, no official announcement for tesla other than they actually held this groundbreaking ceremony here that uh, the mayor attended with and- gold shovels yeah, good, good old gold shovel uh, for that that little photo shoot here. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's official. It's just that Tesla didn't make a big deal out of it. Just a brand new mega factory, and uh, that that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, I mean, a uh, lot of uh, real estate for Tesla and I. Trump, we we did a deep dive on that in 2019, where they expanded the city, where they had like two uh, half a million square foot fa- uh, warehouses there, one one million uh, square foot. And uh, another 870,000 square foot building. So very large uh, real estate for Tesla there. Uh, and I, it's not clear if this new factory is in one of those or if they uh, acquired another factory here. That we, we're going to try to find more information about that. But uh, that's all we got on the new Tesla Mega Factory for now. You know, I, I thought it was strange that the uh, mayor, after our story, uh, deleted his Facebook post. I wonder. I wonder if Tesla had a special announcement or plan to have an event or something later on i mean they need a, they need a pr department for that to time it oh, with the pr point. department yeah. of the mayor's office and then then they wouldn't have any of those issues <laughs> yeah i needed to squeeze that in a little need for a pr department at the um u.s pr department I should say since they have some in other markets 
Um, all right. Uh, speaking of new Tesla factory, Elon commented on a rumor that uh, Tesla was going to build a factory in Russia. So there was some media report in Russia that uh, specifically said that Tesla has agreed to build a new factory in Korolev, uh, Russia. So Elon chimed in and said Tesla has not yet decided on a four gigafactory location. So it sort of denied the rumor that's going to be there, or at least that's confirmed to be there. But sort of also confirmed that Tesla is looking for a new location for a four gigafactory. So this isn't the work. Not that that's completely new information. Tesla has always been clear that they uh, plan to not stop at Gigafactory Texas or Berlin or whichever is going to come last uh, between the two. But the two looks like they're going to start production and th- this year. It, and they're both going to expand a lot. I mean, Berlin is going to focus on Model Y first, so, uh, so Texas also. But I mean, at Texas, Tesla has been talking about building the Cybertruck there too, uh, building uh, Tesla Semi there, uh, possibly even the Roadster. So it's a ton of production and there's a ton of space to grow there too. But um, yeah, a, a Ford Gigafactory has always been in the plans and there have been a lot of rumors all over the place right now. So there's been rumors in the second one in China. There's been rumors of uh, a second one in Europe too, even though like Tesla hasn't even finished building uh, Berlin. But uh, be- before even all that happened, I don't know if you remember, I said, but Elon has been talking about another factory in the U.S. where he was talking about a tri-state area in the north, uh, northeast, east coast. Uh, yeah, I think we were thinking like West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania. Is that the tri- three states? We're well, thinking? I think there's a few like places that can call themselves like tri-state area where it, 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 it all uh, links a bunch of states together. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was the top suspect, I think. And uh, there's also the uh, New York, Connecticut. Uh, New Jersey tri-state area, but that doesn't seem like a good place to put a factory. Yeah, it's not uh, usually a big uh, automaker area. But yeah, I mean, some place between like Michigan, Ohio, uh, all that stuff too would, would make sense. Uh, one in Canada uh, has been rumored too before. And uh, that wouldn't be a bad place. There's been some auto manufacturing in Canada for years with um, Hyundai has been here, GM, Ford. So... Uh, it's not all of the cars either, but uh, I don't see it happening at, at the moment. Uh, but with North America now, with the factory Texas being so huge and so much space to grow, it, it, I don't see it as much as a, a near-term focus, like we, if it would be the next factory there. But at the same time, Tesla also need like, if you remember back in the day, Gigafactory meant battery factory, meant gigawatt hour of production of battery factory, uh, battery cells, I mean. And um, Tesla's going to need a lot more of those. I know that some of one of them is planned in Texas too, one of them in Berlin. But uh, if Tesla has really those ambitions of like the, with the Tesla Semi program, that's going to be a big battery demand um, driver. They're going to have to build new battery uh, manufacturing capacity, and uh, another another one in the U.S. It's very likely to happen or to be confirmed. I think within the next year or two, I would say. But also one in Europe and Asia would make sense also. So, yeah. All right, uh, we got good news for solar roof uh, buyers. So if you remember, earlier this year, Tesla has a big, big price hike on the solar roof tiles, uh, 50 to 150% in some cases. It was based on the new complexity roof, complexity factor that Tesla had it in as if uh, they didn't know that the roof, some roof could be more complex than others before that. But uh, they decided to hide that, uh, had that, I should say, uh, earlier this year. And uh, the real surprise is they didn't only had it on new quotes. Is they had it, they, they had it a price hike, 
which again, sometimes 50 to 100 to 150% higher than the previous price. They had it down on people that had signed contracts with Tesla. Not only signed contracts, but people that already like did work in order for them to be ready for uh, to receive the, the new roof. So <laughs> that, was, that was pretty wild. And I don't know what Tesla was really thinking, well, how they were going to get get away with that, because we were talking about signed contracts here in, in, <laughs> in the, the developed world that usually means something, a <laughs> signed contract. Yeah. So uh, what happened this week is, uh, well, there's been, of course, a bunch of lawsuits around it. The lawsuits were consoli- consolidated last month and uh, into, into basically was going was gonna to turn into a class action lawsuit. And uh, but now on we learned this week that on on September 13, Tesla's lawyers informed the plaintiffs, so the, the the solar roof owner with signed contracts, that they launch a program for customer who signed solar roof contracts before April the the April 2021 uh, price changes to return those customers to the original pricing if they were subject to the price increase, of course. Um, so. Oh, what the what a program is. I mean, it's just honor. It sounds like Tesla is now reverting their decision and saying that they're gonna honor the original prices on those contracts. Which I mean, duh, makes sense. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I mean, though I think Tesla is an awesome company doing great things. Every now and again, uh, they screw up. They do they do things that they shouldn't be doing, and that was one of them. So. It's a good example that uh, we need to stay vigilant about that stuff, that even like great companies doing great things for humanity and for the environment can uh, can uh, do mistakes sometimes. Especially now that Tesla is like a $750 billion company. Like there's, n- <laughs> I, I think Elon said something when he did the price hike. He was like, yeah, we, we, we screw up on the price, but now everyone needs to pay that price or go, otherwise we're going to be in trouble. Like, yeah, you guys have, have $10 billion in the bank. Like, are you going to be in trouble for like, uh, let's say that the, this affects. I don't think it's affecting more than a thousand. I'd be surprised if they had a thousand signed contracts at that point. Uh, so a few millions of dollars at, at worst, uh, probably. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would be worth the negative publicity. But you know, if you don't have a PR department, you don't know that. So <laughs> oh, we're two and two today. That's uh, that's good <laughs> average. Uh, yeah, and you know what? What I thought was interesting too is um, I don't know if we. I know we didn't report on that actually on the podcast since this, I think this happened like late Friday night. Uh, but Tesla, as uh, as we we previously reported, Tesla was revamping the referral program, and they officially ended it on last Friday, uh, removing the incentive for all products except for the solar roof tiles, which was an interesting move. Not only that, they actually increased the incentive on the solar roof tile to five hundred dollars per. A system that gets activated, I think, is the actual language. So, mm-hmm. so not not a that that was the big first surprise because we knew we knew we reported like in May, I think, that Tesla was planning to revamp the entire referral program to move away from people to just have a, a shared link for people to spam that link and everything, um, which have been a problem on like the the YouTube and the uh, the blogs and the the, the, the the social media a lot, but. They want to do more of a like person-to-person referral where people can actually like, give test drive to uh, potential buyers, and through that, then they're gonna have some kind of system that's gonna associate them then through the app and, and uh, give them a referral that way. So we th- that should be coming up, I think, by the end of the, of this year, according to our sources. Um, but the surprise here is that when Tesla ended the whole program Friday, they actually kept it for the solar roof. So 
Uh, one could argue that that means that Tesla is having some some domain issue with the, with the solar roof, which again wouldn't be too surprising after the incredible price increase that happened earlier this year, and some of also the bad press around it. Like we we've seen some horrible customer stories, some good ones too. To be fair, a lot of people do like their um, uh, do do like the solar roof, but uh, there's been a lot of uh, growing pains for the for the program at Tesla, to say the least. All right, uh, we might have discovered the new king of Tesla bowls this week. Uh, that was an interesting one here. This guy, I'm going to butcher his name, unfortunately. I'm sorry already. Uh, Kuguan Leo. Let, let's just call him Leo. Probably that's going to be easier. Uh, though if, uh, if there's a better pronunciation, let me know. Uh, he, this guy is a, is a Chinese-American billionaire, uh, quite a wealthy fella, but uh, he, he went under the radar. I mean, if you until uh, yesterday when I, I posted an article on, on him, if you Google his name, there's like nothing coming up basically other than like his bio on his company uh, page. Uh, he, he, he founded a company called SHI International, uh, a big IT company that has contracts with a lot of the some of the biggest company in the world. So a huge high T company, but it was private. So people don't know, well, it is private still. So people don't know a lot about the company's financial, everything or the, the, the wealth of the owners. So the guy went under the radar. The only thing that pops up actually is just last year, he bought uh, James Dyson from Dyson vacuum fame. Uh, he bought their, uh, is the, the guy, the, the, the founder, James Dyson's the penthouse that he had in Singapore. Uh, like a giant, like $50 million penthouse. Of course, when that happens, that generates some headlines. But the only thing was like a mention that Leo bought, like he was the buyer in it. Like no, not much more information on him than that. But uh, the guy started a Twitter account this week. And he, he, he a lot of his, not this week, but uh, over the last few months, so he's been using it a lot more this week. And, um, and he commented a lot on Tesla. And he started saying some wild things about Tesla including the fact that he was the third largest individual shareholder in Tesla, which uh, um, which quite a claim, really. Uh, Who's uh, one and two? Uh, Elon and uh, Larry okay. Ellison. Oh, that's yeah. right, Larry. Uh, so yeah. uh, Ellison, the founder of Oracle, and one of the richest men in, in America. Uh, he, uh, he did an early, I think, investment in Tesla, Larry. And uh, then uh, when, when Elon made him a uh, board member, he, he invested like a billion-something dollars uh, in the company at a very good timing uh, of it, and uh, that blew up. Uh, I think I think his stake is now worth like twelve or thirteen billion dollars in Tesla. So it's a big part of his wealth now. Still not as much as Oracle, but still. But yeah, I was gonna say he was quite rich before yeah. getting very rich on yeah, Tesla. Yeah, exactly. But, but so. this this guy Leo is an, is another deal. Like I, I'll, to be honest, again, since his company is private, we don't know exactly how much he's worth. I, I'm sure he was a billionaire before Tesla and everything, but may, probably not like Larry Ellison type of billionaire. Uh, and he disclosed that with his third his third largest uh, being the third largest investor in Tesla with six point two million shares, which at today's price would put the value of the of his stakes in Tesla. At four point six billion, and a lot of people sort of uh, started like uh, questioning him, like, "Who are you? Like, how did, did you even like build that 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 kind of portfolio and uh, that kind of position on Tesla and everything?" And people started challenging that it makes no sense. The guy is not verified on Twitter. Not that that means anything, uh, but people questioned whether it was really him or and if he really had that kind of uh, stake. 
but in defending himself on Twitter, he sort of summoned Martin Vieca, who's the the head of uh, investor relations at Tesla. And uh, Martin just confirmed it. He was like, yeah, this guy is the third largest investor. So um, the thing is that it couldn't be confirmed with public records because Leo uh, apparently holds his stake in a bunch of different accounts uh, with different banks. And I assume that those are linked to different uh, holding companies and things like that that would uh, re- result in not having a consolidated stakes. But at the same time, I don't think his stake is worth nowhere near 5%, which is, I think, the disclosure limit for the SEC to uh, disclose an actual like large shareholder. So it's not that they would be public anyway. But yeah, the guy has bigger stakes than Baron Capital, another big cheerleader of Tesla, and um, uh, Ark Invest, and that that's that's the thing that's that's got him started on Twitter to uh, to post a lot because there was some controversy over Ark and uh, the who's the founder of Ark, um, Kathy, Wood. Kathy Wood, yeah. Uh, that uh, like she 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 went on Yahoo Finance last week or the week before that, and she started like harping about that uh, we have a three thousand dollar price target on Tesla and everything. And just as she said that, she started unloading Tesla shares at the same time, which is not a good look. Uh, of course, she claims that it's because of uh, restructuring of her portfolio, which is super Tesla heavy and everything, which is a good explanation. But at the same time, just the timing is just not good. You don't go publicly telling the public and individual investors like hey i think this stock is worth three thousand dollars and at the same time you unload it on them it's just not a good look but uh, leo here we went um, on twitter and he said that uh, it doesn't matter because he's gonna buy all those shares from arc anyway uh, that he's willing to buy more than uh, whatever uh, arc can sell and he he shares um arcs three thousand dollars per share price target so um very um ambitious long-term older for tesla because uh, if it goes there uh, it tends to make him one of the richest men on the world in the world by a wide margin with 6.2 million share and he says he wants to add a million by early next year so that alone is like a 760 million dollars investment so yeah the guy is no joke i mean congrats on him that's uh <laughs> to uh Put it mindly, you need some cojones to uh, to hold a position like that. Again, I don't know like how much of his portfolio is worth, but based on what he's saying, it sounds like it's like the majority of it, basically. Uh, which is, uh, yeah, that's uh, that takes some cojones. So good on you, Leo. Uh, great, uh, great building that position. That's him right here with Elon. Yeah, he, he's a self-proclaimed Tesla fanboy, as he says on his Twitter. I mean, if you made that much money, you'd be a fan, too, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's not all of them either. Like, you have to, uh, you have to uh, congratulate all the Tesla team to, to, for building that uh, value company. Elon himself uh, w- would say that. But, uh, yeah, uh, should we uh, jump into a quick read for our friends sure. at Electrified America? All right. This episode of the Electric Podcast is brought to you by Electrify America. Electrify America now operates the largest public, ultra-fast electric vehicle charging network in the United States. A few recent updates on the network. Electrify America is now coast-to-coast with more than 650 EV charging stations, with new locations opening every week. It now offers ultra-fast charging stations with speeds up to 150 kilowatts and 350 kilowatts for capable vehicles, allowing you to charge up as fast as possible and get back on the road. EA offers a new monthly subscription plan with contactless payments through its mobile apps, and with it, you can save up to 25% on charging. If you're an EV driver, 
and want to learn more about Electrify America and its growing network of charging stations across the U.S., find out what they're up to at electrifyamerica.com. That's electrifyamerica.com, or hit up the link in the show notes. Thanks again to Electrify America for sponsoring this week's show. Yes, thanks, EA. Um, we uh, we have a few new more news items to discuss, and then we're going to jump into the comment section with all the questions. I see that you guys already have a bunch of them there, but we're going to have time for quite a few. So if you have more, don't hesitate to put them in right now. All caps. Also, yep. also uh, there may or may not have been a Rivian test drive this week. <laughs> um, so if you have any questions about Rivian, uh, go ahead and put them down there and we'll give our opinions on it. We can't really comment specifically on test driving or anything like that. But, um, you know, for instance, Electrify America, we just talked about them. Wouldn't it be cool if if the Rivian uh, had plug and charge built in, and you could just plug in and get like 250 <laughs> kilowatts right out of a uh, Electrify America station? That would be, be cool. cool right? Set? Are you saying that's yeah. happening? <laughs> uh, Not yet, but we will say it's happening at some point in the future, most likely. So, all right. Uh, before we get to that, I'm sure, sure, make sure to put them in the comment section. But we have a few news items to discuss, including the launch of the Q4 e-tron in the U.S. this week. With, uh, I mean, we already knew all the specs on the car, so it, it's not much news there. But the pricing is what's uh, news here, and uh, it's decent. It's uh, it's more than decent yep. actually. It's uh, it's very good pricing. Uh, unsurprisingly, we don't have the cheapest version of it here. Uh, the 55 kilowatt battery pack, uh, they are again not launching it in the US. The same thing happened with the normal e-tron, if you remember, uh, in Norway and then maybe a few other European markets, they launched a cheaper version. But in the US, they kept with the higher one because apparently US customers, North American customers, they like their range. They like more range. But uh, yeah, the 82 kilowatt hour version is the one that's available. And uh, it comes in three different trims. The um, well, actually, two different trims, and then the higher trim is also available in the sport back version. But uh, yeah, the Q440 e-tron, Q450 e-tron, and the the difference is going to be the motors that you have in there. So uh, you have a rear-wheel drive motor on the dual motor uh, with uh, what's the capacity maximum horsepower going from 201 to 295. And uh, the range, uh, they don't have the range release for the, uh, or actually the EPA estimate release for the rear-wheel drive, but the all-wheel drive is coming at 241 EPA estimate. Uh, so you can expect a little bit more range out of the rear-wheel drive version. Uh, when we come to pricing, 43900 for the um, rear-wheel drive and 4990 for the all-wheel drive. So this is uh, on point, if not a little better than we were expecting. Uh, so w- with the incentive being up in the air right now, we know that the reform is coming. Uh, what exact shape it's going to come in, we don't know yet because uh, as it goes through the... the as it goes through the legislative process, it can change a little bit, but right now it's between 7500 and up to 12500 So big difference but for now if we take aside the reform Audi still has access to the 7500 so you can apply that to the base price and you you, you get uh, a price of uh, $36,400 after incentive for the base version and that base version uh, that and that's the price everywhere like if you're in California if you're in New York you get 2500 more I think is that it? set in New York in New York, you get two thousand more. more, but that's at at, at uh, point of purchase. Yeah, 
So basically, this thing actually looks a little bit like the uh, Volvo C40, like the fastback version of the Volvo 40. I yeah. I don't know. I just saw it th- this time, but yeah. um, that'll give Volvo maybe a reason to drop their price a little yeah. bit or something. I mean, I got to test drive it real quick in Germany last week, uh, like real quick in 30 minutes in uh, bumper-to-bumper traffic, basically. So it wasn't a great experience, I got to say. Uh, but I liked it. I like the I like the car itself. It's a it's a it's a great car. It's it's definitely going to be like a Model Y competitor in terms of uh, size and, and performance. Uh, you do get the cheaper pricing with the rear-wheel drive version uh, for sure. So it's a uh, lower um, market. It's it's going to be easier to access for some people. However, uh, the when it comes to the you kind of have to compare it with the all-wheel drive because the Model Y so far only comes with all-wheel drive. And uh, it's it's still cheaper before incentive, I think. Uh, if you what's the price on the Model Y right now in the U.S.? Um, I think it's forty four. I want to uh, fifty four. I mean, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to confirm it right now. It's gonna take a quick second. Uh, U.S. pricing forty eight. No, that's the price. So yeah, fifty four thousand dollars for the long range. Of course, you do get more range, so it's not an exact comparison, but. Uh, with the federal incentive and combined with the lower pricing to start with, the lower MSRP, I, I think the Audi is going to find a good market for this car, in my opinion. I agree. It's a good looking yeah. car. It does what it says, and uh, it's uh, it's. I mean, obviously the efficiency is not quite there because we're talking about uh, a bigger battery pack than you will find in the Model Y with a shorter range with the same size roughly. Uh, but we also know that Audi has been known to leave a big buffer on that battery pack. So, and uh, they have a good performance in terms of charging too, partly because of that big buffer. So, a lot, uh, a lot of advantage here that uh, are consider. All right, now we're going to discuss Honda and Toyota a little bit because uh, I mean, the more I'm seeing from them and Honda at this big announcement this week about their electric uh, vehicle plans in the U.S. and in North America. And uh, the more I see from them, the more I'm like, I don't think they're going to... Nice. They got a Honda ad up there, too. They're going to what? There's a Honda ad. <laughs> the best-selling car in Canada for 23 years. For how many more, though? That's the big question here, because I think soon enough, the best-selling car in Canada is going to be an electric car. Uh, it's going to happen faster than you think, and it's not going to be a Honda. That's for sure, because... As you know, right now, the only Honda electric that you can buy, and it's you can even buy it in North America, is the Honda E, and it's kind of just of a city car. Not, not a bad electric car, but it's a city car. Yeah, it's yeah. a cute car. It's a fun little retro-looking car and everything, and it has some great features, but it's limited in range and charging capacity, and it's it's made for city driving. It's not a... I think I think the Clarity, isn't there a Clarity full, full Yeah, EV? I mean, but that that's... Just... like that, that's. Is that even still for sale? I think like, and then also uh, if they sell any, it's like uh, a dozen per year or something like that. <laughs> and I'm barely right. exaggerating here. Um, and it's one of those cars too that it's a multi powertrain car. It's built to be like a, a hydrogen car and a hybrid car and a full electric car. It's it's uh, not very compliant. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in terms of actual plans for volume production electric vehicle and that's what they call the prologue they call the prologue electric suv their first volume production bev and uh it's coming in 2024 and today what they announced is that they're planning for a capacity of 70,000 vehicles <laughs> sorry 70,000 
in 2024. That's all they're going to have in the U.S. They are going to be ready to sell 70,000 electric vehicles in three years from now. Yeah, pathetic. That was what my headline was saying, is because that's the only word I can come up with. It's uh, it's ridiculous, really. That that's what they are. And not only that, the the part that blows my mind is Honda, like uh, someone that's for years, for decades, was considered a leader in in powertrains and in, in combustion engine powertrain. They are basically giving up uh, the equivalent for electric vehicle, the electric powertrain. They they they're gonna use the uh, GM Ultium platform for this car here. So their first Crazy. car, first volume battery electric vehicle, first like meaningful electric vehicle from from Honda coming to North America is gonna come in three years time with only seventy thousand capacity, and it's gonna be completely reliant on GM. It's uh it's our debt warrant. That's what it is. It's they're signing our debt warrant here. Or they are basically saying we're giving up on the North American market, a very important market for them. Again, all new 2022 Honda Civic, best-selling car in Canada for 23 years, giving up on it. It's it's wild. It's pretty wild. And then their compatriot in Japan, Toyota, is uh, not much better. Uh, and uh, now they're even facing some boycotts. <laughs> we got an email from uh, the founder of Plug in America, Paul Scott. And uh, he, he's he's leading right now a boycott of of Toyota, and they have people um, d- doing demonstration in front of the Toyota Santa Monica location, and they're trying to enforce a boycott of the brand over their continuous nonsensical lobbying of the U.S. government to slow down electric vehicle adoption. So uh, we reported on that plenty of times before, but they are. Uh, Opposing the um, the reform to the incentive with the removal of the two hundred thousand vehicle deliveries per manufacturer, and uh, of course, there's some other automakers that are opposing that, especially uh, more recently because of the addition of the union bonus that's that's associated with it, the four uh, forty five hundred dollar bonus for if the cars have been assembled at the union factory. Uh, now. Toyota is saying that that's the reason they're opposing that the latest legislation because of that, and their factories don't have any um, uh, are not unionized. Though they also don't produce electric vehicles, so I don't know what they are worried about. <laughs> but uh, uh, the the real the real thing here is that Toyota was also opposing the reform before that was put in. So it's obviously not about that. It's about uh, incentivizing electric vehicle purchase, which they are not ready for because they don't produce any, uh, just like Honda. So, but they have been actively lobbying the government against that. And until, I mean, I'm sure Toyota has been doing some, some of the same thing too, but uh, not as obvious as Toyota. And it's certainly not as like outspoken about it as Toyota and as they've really invested into the lobbying against it. And they are starting to pay the price. Uh, separately, uh, Plug in America, uh, the Union of Constraint Scientists, uh, Sierra Club, a bunch of environmentalist club, uh, sent a letter this week to Toyo- uh, to Toyota to the head of uh, Toyota North America, uh, Mr. Tutsuo Ted Ogawa, uh, to uh, meet with him and to try to basically uh, make him see reason that uh, this is not the right approach and this is not uh, uh, what's uh, going to lead them to success in the North American market because it is moving to all electric vehicle and it's going to happen fast. So they're trying to meet with him. I don't know if that's going to be a successful effort, but uh, at least they are giving a shot. So kudos to them for that. 
But yeah, what we put on the podcast today, uh, Toyota Honda signing their debt warrant. That's that's my feeling right now. Like, yeah, unless there's a massive shift in their thinking, like right now, like <laughs> literally, like this week or this month, uh, I think it's gonna be too late for them. Otherwise, like these, uh, those are huge companies that move extremely slowly. I don't know, said. Do you see any uh, potential way for them to come out on top here or no? Uh, I mean, Toyota's got their solid state plan, I guess. Mm-hmm. That I mean, Toyota's got some outs, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Honda just seems like that they don't. It doesn't seem like they believe the Earth is going to exist in like five years. Like they're just going out, you know, in style and get you know gas cars, whatever. Doesn't seem like they're uh, they're planning for the future at all. Um, Toyota, like they have a lot of money right now. They're I think the second yeah, biggest yeah. Uh, car company in the world. Um, they could always, you know, they could buy like Lucid or they could buy, you know, some other bunches of companies and figure yeah. things out. We, we, we've talked about the Lucid acquisition before. I, I think, I mean, if Apple was to approach Lucid, I think Lucid would, would, would be willing to discuss it right now. But honestly, I think Toyota approached Lucid right now and they would need to be like in real trouble, like in need of money for them to, uh, to 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 try to get that because uh, I think they they would not see that like they see that giving up or something, like, <laughs> or something. right? All right. Uh, last week we talked about JB Straubel's uh, Redwood Materials uh, announcing a big deal that they are expanding for just battery recycling into the production of uh, anode and cathode materials, like new anode and cathode materials uh, with a mix of battery recycling materials in it. And they are, they are planning a big factory in North America and a location that hasn't been confirmed yet, but that are going to have a capacity of 100 gigawatt hour per year, which is uh, significant. And they plan to grow that to 500 gigawatt a, a year uh, by the end of the decade, I think. Uh, so very big plan, massive change of plan for about, I, I don't think it was a change of plan. I think it was always in the cards for them. It's just that they didn't make that public really until last week. Uh, but when they made that announcement, it was clear to me in the announcement, okay, there is a, has to be like a big customer behind that, like some a deal that is enabling that for them to plan this kind of capacity. There has to be some kind of offset agreement in the work. And sure enough, this week they announced a big deal with Ford, uh, a partnership on battery recycling uh, and uh, an entire closed loop in their battery supply chain uh, that Redwood's going to help Ford with. And on top of that, when it comes to the the battery material factory that we just discussed, uh, they're also talking about, uh, as part of this relationship, we're discussing how Redwood could supply Ford's American battery facilities to ensure steady uh, domestic source of sustainable battery materials to fill the production of Ford electric vehicles. So they are in talk, basically, for an offset agreement on that new uh, factory that they're talking about. So uh, good on Ford to try to secure more battery material because uh, obviously this is the... This is the starting point for achieving volume production of a vehicle. You need uh, to s- secure battery supply, and to secure battery supply, you need to secure battery material supply. So this is how you do it. That's a pretty sweet-looking factory, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice render. You got the so you got the solar panels looking pretty yeah, good. Yeah, and I like their Redwood logo. We the logo with the yeah. infinite sign for the two O because it's a closed loop and everything. It's a it's a cool uh, little uh, render they have there. But uh, congrats on JB. Uh, great progress there on the on the front because uh, this is a big part of uh, 
how we're going to make electric vehicles sustainable. It's going to be battery recycling and integrating the recycling materials into new production. And that's exactly what this guy's doing. So keep at it. All right. So we jump into the comment section. Yep. All right. Stefan Schnabbugger, if that's his real name. I hope it, you know, whatever, if it is, that's great. <laughs> What's the word on Model 3 Performance Version 2? Yeah, there's been a bunch of rumors on that as of late. There's there's little parts and things like that, parts numbers that appear in, in the Tesla parts catalog, but there's nothing concrete right now. And uh, I don't I don't re- report as much on the parts catalog stuff before because we've been burned by that. Tesla has things in there that never happens or like it's, uh, it's not ideal. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on it because obviously it's... Uh, it's something that could have happened. Um, I mean, multi-performance is three years old at this point, three three or four years old, three and a half years old, something like that. So uh, a good update will make sense. Tesla has made efficiency improvement and power efficiency in this motor and everything like that. So uh, we, we could see some of the improvement that were released in the Model S, the new Model S, uh, make its way downstream to Model 3. Uh, wouldn't be too surprising. All right, uh, XD1 says, where do you think t- the newest Tesla factory will be? Yeah, we talked a bit about that, but uh, you know what? I, I think I think another one in China would be most likely the first thing to happen here. Yeah, they need a battery factory there. Yeah, Shanghai was just so successful that they want, they're going to want to replicate that success there. And maybe panels as well, solar panels. All right, uh, Hazrat Noor says, you said some time back Semi is going to into production. What happened? Any new progress? Yeah, they, they are close to production at the Nevada factory. Uh, extremely low volume production, though. We're not talking about anything high volume. Uh, but uh, the, the, we're talking about the chassis here, uh, the powertrain. But apparently, uh, the Tesla doesn't have the battery supply to to make any kind of volume production there in turn because the, the semi was supposed to use the new 4680 cells. And as we've been hearing lately, there some issues who start to integrate those into Tesla's vehicles, even the Model Y now Tesla is talking, the new Model Y being produced at Berlin, I'm talking, in, in, uh, in Texas, might not even use the 4680 to start with in the structural battery pack. So uh, it, right now the bottleneck appears to be the 4680 cells. Uh, which uh, Tesla has made clear that uh, Tesla Semi kind of kind of needs to uh, achieve the performance specs that they uh, previously uh, announced. All right, so this is the news that, uh, that Tesla is supposed to unleash the button tonight, right? Like I, I yeah. think that's when it was promised. Uh, any tips on how to get access to the button? Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what kind of form that that, that will take. Uh, the only tips I can tell you is like right now, if you go to your software settings, uh, you, you can choose the advanced software option, which supposedly give you the new update faster. Uh, I haven't seen any data on that being actually through anything, but uh, I would have that enabled at least. Uh, so I don't know if Tesla can, um, if it's going to be like added to that, is is it going to come in a software update? So the Tesla doesn't necessarily need to have a software update. Sometimes it's just in there and, and it's hidden and it can be enabled. Uh, so we, we're going to see if you can just like the buttons appear and you have to appear, or if you have a software update and then you can you can do it. Uh, but the only tips you can have right now is to uh, have the software, the advanced software update enabled the option, 
and uh, and also apparently if you are connected to Wi-Fi, it can help you get the the update faster. So make sure that your car is connected to your Wi-Fi. So uh, also, would it help if you like pulled up to a Tesla service station and, and connected to that that Wi-Fi? We've heard that before. Yeah, uh, if it's if it's an option for you, if you're close enough, uh, maybe give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, I heard said that you plan to stay up all night tonight and uh, sleep in your car to be ready to get the uh, update in as soon as it appears. Am I right? Uh, no. <laughs> Although tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to check for the button. And when it's not there, I'm not going to be surprised. <laughs> and I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's there. And I hope uh, I spend tomorrow driving around, uh, full self-driving. And then it gets taken away from me. <laughs> All right. When will Tesla offer a S uh, standard range Model Y with LFP in the U.S.? I mean, the standard range Model Y came out for like half a set. Uh, no, was it? I'm getting them confused. Was it the standard range or was it the rear-wheel drive that came out briefly? I think it was the rear-wheel drive. I mean, Tesla has been kind of reticent to, to do that, uh, it feels like, in the U.S. And I don't understand it because... You can sell more cars if you have less. Like if batteries are a bottleneck, you can sell more cars by having fewer batteries in them, and people will buy them too. Just like people are gonna buy this uh, Audi Q4 e-tron with the lower range, like it has like almost almost a hundred miles less range than the Model Y based on the EPA standard, and uh, it's still gonna it's still gonna sell. So um, I would like to see that happening. I would like to see that release. Uh, and LFP, I mean, uh, sure, like if they can make it, uh, the, the upper, and apparently they can with the Model 3, so I'm sure the Model Y is not too far off if they, if it's possible. Uh, so, so yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, maybe they can get the price down below 40000 or something. Maybe not that yeah. low. Yeah. Well, even 45, yeah. uh, uh, a two two. 40 to 50 at 45 that would 240 miles of range i mean at uh at 45 that would that would be a killer yeah i mean whatever they released in china just now (laughs) apparently that's selling the hotcake yeah they can't make enough all right roll of 20 says what do you think of the lighten lysol for battery coming in 2025 vaporware or possible i know nothing about it so i can answer that same here. Lighten. Uh, I've never even heard of Lighten. We we take things seriously when they start to get into production. So, or when people who know what they're talking about get behind it. All right. Uh, this guy used uh, EA charging last weekend for the first time with his Nero. It had 80 miles in 18 minutes and had a 10 uh, a minute courtesy period before the text said it would start charging idle fees. That's pretty good. That sounds like a nice little experience. Yeah. charging experience and then he's calling the the audi that we talked about the audi 4 instead of the id4 <laughs> i guess it's a similar meb platform vehicle, yeah yeah so. yeah they're, i think they're really in the like in the same category instead audi is a little bit more premium yeah uh eric williams has a nice shout out to michelle lewis our colleague uh she puts out great content can we get her on the podcast i don't know i kind of feel like this is her uh uh, she's at the bar at this point, so I don't know if we can kind of drag her out of of that. <laughs> you think she? But, what? Uh, what are you saying? <laughs> no, I mean she's you know she's relaxing. This is her. her I didn't her know that. I didn't time. know like the four p.m. five p.m. was uh, 
on Friday night it's was five, Michelle's five bar hour. Five o'clock somewhere. I'm going to ask her to confirm that. Okay. Uh, sorry, Stefan. It's his real name. Uh, I didn't. I, I have a <laughs> weird last name too. So uh, here we are. Have you seen anyone that has done a teardown on the SR Plus Model 3 pack with LFP cells? Very curious to see how it is packaged cooled. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess we could see that relatively soon now that they are expanding. Uh, we, we got, we're getting them in the U.S. too now, apparently. So we, I mean, it, it, if it has happened yet, I don't know. But uh, I would be surprised if it happened soon. Uh, Frederick Stimkorb says, uh, any investment in Rivian or Lucid? Uh, no, I don't even think they're public. Yet. Yeah, Lucid is. Lucid, uh, Lucid I have a fine. small investment in Lucid. I had a bigger one. I, I invested a lot of those. Uh, um, damn, I'm, I'm forgetting the name. The SPAC deal. I, I invested in a bunch of those SPAC deals early on. For the company that I, I I thought would make sense because they 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 get a boost for no reason when the deal gets through, even though like it's almost hundred percent sure they get through the deal because it's <laughs> that's the point. Yeah, the, I, the the spec exists to make that deal. Once the deal is made and they announce, like it's pretty much a done deal. So um, I I when when Lucy got its big pop after the the deal went through. I sold most of my position. I still have a little bit all of it, but not much. Uh, Rivian is not public yeah. yet, and uh, if they do come public, which apparently they plan to do soon, um, early next year, I've heard, it's uh, it might be a good investment, but it won't be cheap. And we're talking about like an eighty. They're looking at an eighty billion dollar valuation or something like that. So yeah, which is impressive. Yeah. But so as I've been alluding to, there's been uh, Rivian test drives mm-hmm. and. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say if I liked it or not. I just I will say that I did put an order out, <laughs> put an order on one. So, uh, so you, that, the, the, what you're saying, the information that you're releasing right now is that you heard that there's been media test drive of the Rivian. That's correct. Okay, which uh, a lot of people have heard about. It's not new information. And at the same right. time, it's completely separately, you happen to have placed an order for uh, the Rivian. R1S, if I'm not mistaken, though. The R1S, yeah, that's the SUV, uh, SUV yeah. one. Because I, you know, the pickup truck would be cool, except we have the dog. I wouldn't want to put the dog on the outside as we're going to Vermont in the winter. I think that'd probably be. Yeah, it's a husky. A she would cool. love it. It's a husky. She would love yeah, she it. Would. You would lose her halfway through. Like she would jump after a deer yeah. or something. Uh, uh, but you, you, she would love it though. Yeah, and I could probably get like a cab or yeah. something to put on the back. Um, but Man, that that you know, from what we've seen of the Rivian and what we think we know about the Rivian, that is a impressive vehicle. Three point oh zero to sixty time, uh, you know, for a, a truck mm-hmm. that big, um, all kinds of little Easter eggs in there. It's gonna be sweet. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the valuation, I, I do agree with you. In terms of the product, I'm extremely impressed with Rivian. In terms of the company in general, I'm I'm very impressed. Like they don't. They Same. don't make a lot of mistake for for a, I mean they're not that young of a startup but like for for their first consumer vehicle there's not a lot of mistakes but uh, the the value comes with achieving volume production of a profitable vehicle and that right. that like 
the the fact that they don't they haven't made a lot of mistakes up to that point is a good look, but doesn't mean that they're gonna achieve that anytime soon, and they're gonna they need to in order to to uh, um to have a valuation of eighty billion dollars. Like you gotta have to produce thousands and thousands of those pickup trucks and SUVs. But, yeah, and there's a lot of like learning curves. Like I'm sure you've thought of this, but like when you buy one of these you have to insure it and most insurance companies are gonna be like what rivian yeah. that's not that's not in our drop down menu well they want to do like, their own insurance cool. too and apparently they're gonna be ready to launch in like 50 states like pretty quick which uh i mean it would make you think and they're doing their own charging network yeah that, well. that's a big one that's a that, that's one of the one of those things i see they're not making one of the mistakes like they know the big advantage of owning your own your own network uh which a lot of people criticize and I understand why, but I think it's misguided. I mean, there's going to be plenty of space in the market for companies like Electrify Americas that have a public network that caters to a bunch of different uh, automakers. And I think ultimately that's going to be the model that's going to uh, survive long term, but very long term. Right now, as it stands, like Tesla still has an advantage with the for its car with the super the, the supercharger but that's exactly yeah. right so rivian knows that they know like all right we we have to do our own thing until everything else catch up but i mean rivian we've seen rivian charge on the electric america superchargers and, and pictures and, and, and things like that like they, they, they use both so both can coexist it's just that you and uh, to me it looks like rivian is also going after the dead spot that you have in the country right now like the places where there's not really a. um a lot of fast charging capacity at this point to um, bridge the gap between level two and electrify America too. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited about it. As Rivian delivered yeah, more than one car now as Tanis Stefanis. I mean, I don't think they've started official deliveries just yet, but they, they, they've manufactured at least one and they're going to probably announce deliveries. Yeah, I mean, they, they said September. We are September twenty fourth, and everything looks like they are, they already have production cars for customers. So they they're gonna have to deliver them uh, and respect that timeline that they did uh, since they could. But uh, again, what we're talking about is the volume production. That's that's really what's important. And to be fair, they also have delivered uh, vans to uh, electric vans to Amazon, and uh, yeah. that that's part of what's helping their valuation, I assume, because having like a hundred thousand hoarder for <laughs> delivery vans with Amazon that's probably worth a few billion dollars in itself. For sure. And you know that's uh, just going to keep coming. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there's, Amazon's not going Yeah, away. Amazon's going to have a fleet of millions of cars uh, of delivery vans all over the world and uh, by the time Rivian can even deliver a third of those, they're going to start like needing new ones <laughs> from replacing their fleet and everything. These things are going to be in the roads nonstop. Yeah, anyway, very exciting stuff. And, um, uh, well, the, well, I think that's it. Are we done with the questions? Yeah, we're All done right. with questions. Well, thanks a lot for listening, everyone. Thanks a lot for watching live. If you're on YouTube, watching on the side, you can give us a thumbs up and a subscribe. Uh, that helps the show a lot. If you're w- listening on your podcast app, wherever podcast app you are, if you can give us a five-star rating and a review, if you do like the show, that would be super appreciated because that hel- helps the show a lot. And uh, we're going to see you same place, same times next week. Have a safe weekend. Ciao.